Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, March 29th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, apparently we don't have to all learn Russian. It looks like there wasn't any collusion, or at least not enough evidence for the politicos to make hay out of it. To be honest, though, I wouldn't be surprised if the Russians had tried to influence the U.S. election. That's what governments do, right? The thing that I've never been able to wrap my head around is why we Americans act so shocked by something like this. Our government sticks its nose into every corner of the world. It seems just a tad bit of a double standard to completely freak out about some other country sticking its nose into our corner of the world. But that's political theater for you. Of course, the political theater surrounding Russiagate is far from over. The completion of the Mueller report is just the closing of one act. Now, one side has to run victory laps, and the other side has to tell us why this proves nothing. But you're not here to listen to me review political theater, so let's talk precious metals. Yesterday was a rough day for both gold and silver. Gold is back below $1,300 an ounce after its steepest one-day fall in more than seven months. The yellow metal rebounded a little bit this morning after falling 1.5% yesterday. It dropped as low as 1288.30. As I record this, gold is trading around $1,294 an ounce. Meanwhile, the silver market was hammered to a three-month low on Thursday. Commodities in general tanked due to a resurgent dollar. The greenback is poised for its strongest monthly gain in the last five. Now, it's not really so much that everybody is all gung-ho dollar. It's that the dollar seems to be the best of a lot of bad options in the currency market. As one analyst put it, the dollar is the dog with the fewest fleas. What we're seeing is a lot of dovishness in central banks around the world as fears of a slowing global economy mount. For instance, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand said its next move will likely be a rate cut. Mario Draghi made some dovish comments that drugged down the euro, and the British pound is getting, well, pounded due to the dumpster fire that is Brexit. So when you hear about dollar strength, you really should be thinking other currency weakness. As one analyst put it, quote, the market is becoming more concerned about global growth conditions, especially to the detriment of the eurozone. The dollar's strength is on the back of other currencies getting hurt, end quote. Anyway, as we close out the month, gold is on track for its first weekly fall in four, and it's down about 1.8% on the month. But if you pull back a little bit further, gold is actually on track for its second straight quarterly rise. We got the final revised Q4 GDP number yesterday, and this will demonstrate to you the bizarro world of market thinking. Initially, Q4 GDP was estimated at 2.6%. Yesterday, it was revised down to 2.2%. So, the economy grew even slower than was first estimated. But this was good news. You know why? Because the markets expected a downward revision. The markets think this is good news because it was, quote, in line with expectations. But it's lower. Do you see how dumb this is? This is why it's never a good idea to get too up or too down about daily market fluctuations. 
At any rate, Trump's 2018 GDP came in below the target of 3%. According to the Commerce Department, the economy grew by 2.9% last year, so just barely missed that target. But do you know where we are seeing plenty of growth? Deficit spending. Uncle Sam ran an all-time record deficit of $234 billion in February, according to a Treasury Department report released last Friday. Now, remember back when Republicans were worried about deficits? Yeah, good times. According to Business Insider, the February 2019 deficit topped the previous high of $231.7 billion set in February 2012. The budget deficit for fiscal 2019, so that's beginning October 1st, totals $544 billion. That's a 39% increase over the same period in fiscal 2018. According to the Treasury Department numbers, tax receipts are down about 1%, and spending has increased 9% so far in this current fiscal year. Total spending in February, one month, came in at $401 billion. Uncle Sam has spent over $1.82 trillion through just the first five months of fiscal 2019. As I'm sure you know, last month the national debt topped $22 trillion. When President Trump took office in January 2017, the debt was at $19.95 trillion. That's a $2.06 trillion increase in the debt in just over two years. Now, I've actually seen some Republicans try to blame this all on Obama. Look, Obama's gone. Granted, he was no spendthrift. He ran trillion-dollar-plus deficits for three years during his administration. But you know what the big difference was? That was during the Great Recession. You expect deficit spending during a recession. But right now, supposedly, this economy is great. What is the spending going to look like when the next recession hits? Look, I'm not an Obama apologist. I'm certainly no spokesperson for the Democratic Party. But debt and spending is a bipartisan issue. Both parties are responsible for the massive debt and the deficits that we're seeing. The party in power spends, and the party out of power complains and pretends like it cares about fiscal frugality. There's a pretty cool website I found this week. It's called SpendingTracker.org. It was put together by an outfit called the Coalition to Reduce Spending. If you go to that website, and I'll link to it in the show notes page, you can view and compare 10 years of spending votes by every member of Congress broken down by two-year terms. The Heartland Institute used the website to broadly analyze spending in the 115th Congress, so that would be 2017 through 2018, when Republicans controlled both houses. Its analysis found that there wasn't a whole lot of difference between Republicans and Democrats. Here's the takeaway. Members of Congress from both parties support spending inordinate amounts of money. Jonathan Bidlack is the policy uh, advisor over at the Heartland Institute. He said the average member of the 115th Congress from either party voted to increase spending by roughly $1.58 trillion. He said overall, there's not much difference between spending by Democrats and Republicans. And what's interesting is if you actually look at that Congress, when Republicans controlled both houses— you'll find that a lot of the Democrats were on the lower side of the spending votes. 
I looked at my own house delegation here in Kentucky. I'll post a screenshot of that in the show notes page. Four of the six, all Republicans, voted for more than $1 trillion in spending. The Democrat, John Yarmuth, actually voted for the second lowest amount of spending of the whole bunch. Now, it's not that John is a frugal statesman. No, no, no. He's a big spending lefty. But like a lot of Democrats in the last Congress, he voted against some of the spending bills, basically just trying to obstruct Republicans. It wasn't that he didn't want to spend the money. He just didn't like GOP priorities. And he knew the money was going to get spent anyway, so he could afford a protest vote here and there. Like I said, if you look at the various state delegations, you'll see the same thing. It almost looks like Democrats are fiscally responsible. Of course, some of them voted for the big spending in lockstep with the Republicans. My point here really is that when it comes to spending us into oblivion, it's a bipartisan game. Don't ever let the GOP fool you into believing it is fiscally conservative ever again. Oh, the sixth member of the Kentucky congressional delegation, the one who voted for the least spending, that was Thomas Massey. He was one of a handful of Congress critters who actually voted to cut spending during the 115th Congress. The others were Representative Justin Amash, Michigan, Representative Jimmy Duncan, Tennessee, Representative Raul Labrador, Idaho, and Representative Morgan Griffith, Virginia, along with Senators Rand Paul from Kentucky and Senator Mike Lee from Utah. Those are all Republicans, but they are by far a decided minority in people who actually voted to decrease spending. In fact, there are only two members of Congress who have voted for net spending decreases during their full tenure in office. That's Massey and Amash. So kudos to those guys. Bidlack from the Heartland Institute summed it up about as succinctly as you can. He said, our generation is increasingly burdened with unsustainable spending and debt, while the vast majority of politicians claim to be doing the right thing. The key word there is claim, because when you look at the truth, they're all spending like drunken sailors, and I really don't mean to insult drunken sailors. One more quick news item before I wrap up this show. I talked about dollar strength, but not everybody is on the dollar bandwagon. In fact, Russia continues to buy gold as it seeks to minimize exposure to the greenback. And as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the Chinese are also increasing their hoard of the yellow metal. According to information released by the Central Bank of Russia last week, it purchased another 31.1 tons of gold in February. That brings its total reserves to 2,149 tons. An Incrementum AG fund manager said central bank gold buying is a trend that continues to gain momentum as the U.S. debt burden continues to grow. Notice that emphasis on the debt burden. He said, Russia's demand for gold is part of the whole de-dollarization story that continues to get stronger and stronger. And you know, eventually the rest of the world is going to figure this out too. People are lying down with the dollar because it's the dog with the least fleas. But you know, there is another option. Don't lie down with dogs. If you want to learn more about investing in gold and silver, and now is a good time with prices still relatively low, talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist today. Call 1-888-GOLD-160. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more 
and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. And if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links for both on the show notes page. Also on the show notes page, you will find a link to the latest It's Your Dime interview with Professor Bill Green. Now, Bill's claim to fame is being the faithless elector who voted for Ron Paul in the Electoral College during the 2016 election. But Bill is also an expert on constitutional tender and sound money. So we talk about both the Electoral College, why it's important, his experience there, and then we also get into sound money and why we should be focusing more on gold and silver and how we can actually undermine the Federal Reserve's monopoly on money. Turned out to be a great interview. You can check it out over at shiftgold.com news. If you're listening to the show on YouTube, please feel free to share your thoughts on this week's gold news in the comments. We always love to hear from you. And that is a wrap. I'll talk to you again next week.